0: Today is Saturday, April 2nd, 2016, and this is Radio Wave. Everyone, and thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host is a friend of Medjugorje. And 20 some odd years ago, there was a gentleman that was volunteering out here at Caritas. And he asked a friend of Medjugorje when he thought the secrets would happen. He was saying, When do you think the secrets are going to happen? When are the secrets going to happen? And it was a question that he asked over and over and over again. And people were so involved in Medjugorje so enthusiastic, so into the message, so into knowing what's going to happen and why is Our Lady here and what is she doing, that in recent years, uh, we've seen that there has been a, a waning of enthusiasm in people for the apparitions are going on so long and, and Our Lady is continuing to give messages. And yet, a number of years ago, a friend of Medjugorje said that he saw very clearly Our Lady would appear for 40 years. And here we are getting close to the 35th year, which leaves a little over five years left of the apparitions. And now is not the time to be losing the enthusiasm. Now is not the time to be waning in your devotion to Our Lady, your commitment to her. And for this, We encourage you to continue to pray. We are in the midst of a 54-day rosary novena that you are welcome to join the community of Caritas. Thousands of people across the world have joined the community of Caritas and the friend of Medjugorje in this 54-day rosary novena. There's information on medj.com. And also, too, a pilgrimage to Medjugorje is essential for you not to lose your enthusiasm and not to lose your commitment to Our Lady. And again, there's also information on medj.com Tonight, a friend of Medjugorje is going to share with us more about the message that we received earlier today through Mariana. And so as we begin this broadcast, we ask you to open your hearts in prayer as we turn Radio Wave over to our host, a friend of Medjugorje.
1: Everywhere you look, everywhere you read, Everything you listen to is a theme being said across the land and the world that the events that they see is happening right now is once in a lifetime. They're not saying, Oh, we're seeing things that this is like 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. They're equating it now and have graduated to the point of judging the situations in our culture, the darkness is prevailing, all the dissension, the division, that this is once in a lifetime. They've graduated to that point, and yet they still underestimate it. This is not once in a lifetime. This is a singular event, a singular moment, a singular time in millennials that has never happened before and never will come back again. What we are in is the time of Mary. And many still don't get it. Many in the hierarchy of the church don't get it. Protestants don't get it. The Catholics don't get it. We still lack an understanding. People are lost to words as far as the politics, the presidential elections, and everything related to that, and everything indirectly related to that. And I've read, I know in the last two weeks, once in a lifetime, once in a lifetime, they don't understand it. That lady didn't say once in a lifetime. In your lifetime, I'm coming here and giving messages as not before other lifetimes, or as I have in past lifetimes. She's never done this before. Heaven's never acted this way. Heaven's never sent a being to earth like this on a regular basis. Jesus was with us for 33 years. That was God, and that was his moment, and that's the Christ But now we have the Virgin Mary 35 years with us, and this is her moment, and this is her saying, this is my time. What does that mean? You can call him my Savior, Jesus Christ. You can call him my brother. You can give many things to Jesus saying, my Savior. But you can't say, And no man can say, and no woman anywhere can say the words, my son. There's only one human, one personage in all of time since the beginning that says the words, my son. Our Lady has been titled and gifted and crossed by carrying the cross. With God himself, Christ was sent to her. And you think she's just another woman? And you think she's just another person that walks the earth 2,000 years ago? And that even if she's appearing, is insignificant? And she's the most significant being in heaven. And if you put her significance on the scales and put all the angels and all the people on the other side of it, she still outweighs them in her influence, who she is, and who she will be throughout eternity. You're missing a moment of time so grand that there'll be bitterness for all those who don't embrace what's taking place, recognize it, pray, go into it, enter into it, become part of it, do what she says, all will come back to haunt you. Today our lady came and today our lady spoke words. Words they're not something that we can just pass by and forget and see them today and not refer to them next year and the next and ten years or hundred years or to the end of time. It is the prologue, if you want to say, or even better, it's the instruction manual, the how to the how to go through the life on this earth of anti-life, the Antichrist. We're being prepped for that. And it's going to take the metamorphosis of years and decades and maybe centuries, and I don't think a lot of centuries, but maybe even perhaps a couple centuries, maybe one century, to get to that point where Our Lady has come to tear to pieces to the judgment of God and the power He's given to her that everything not of God will pass and only what remains will be the glory of God and that will rebuild and that rebuilding through the Antichrist, they will have and cling to these messages as their manual to get through and live through that time that comes. And so it is these words we hear in the next moments are something that are far greater than I can comprehend our day is intertwined in this. Our life is built on this. We've got a way of life. We, we structure it around the messages. When she says to do something, we institute that in this community. We put it in our heart. We put it in our life. Yes, we fail it like everybody else. But still, it's the light we go to. It's the light at the end of the tunnel when there's darkness. And that's what she said today. You see, everything is more and more darker This is not going to go away without an extraction of God's decision to remove everything not of Him. And if you want to go through anesthesia with Our Lady and take those things out of your heart, shatter all darkness now, she slews that. She is our anesthesia, but what's going to happen if you don't have that anesthesia from her and you reject it and you want to continue you are still got to go through the tooth distraction, and it's not going to be pleasant. Our lady told you, she's told me, she's told the whole world, use this time well. This is a time of grace, and you're not going to use it. You're not going to act on it. So be it. You've had every opportunity, and now we've got the year of mercy that anything can be forgiven easily with little effort toward repentance. You have to be repentant, but the requirements that what Peter was told, whatever you should declare on earth shall be bound in heaven. When Pope Francis is speak as the pontiff, the vicar of Christ is binded, whether you agree with it or not. God submits to that because he lives by his word and his word said that. And so he's declared this year of mercy. And because of that, we've got such leniency that we might think and get a false impression that this is just going to continue. But as Sister Faustina was told in what we put out in the book called Mejigoria, Preparing for My Second Coming, Sister Faustina said in there that, why is Jesus so merciful and so lenient? And he answers, because I've got all eternity to punish. You're going to have self-inflicted wounds if you don't go deeper into Medjugorje or if you're going to wait for church to approve it because this is out of the framework of the church, out of the framework of a timeline that we have to wait to see what the church says before we can believe. This is what the same people who did. We got to wait for the Pharisees to see what they say before we can believe in the Christ. Don't delay, because it will be detrimental to you, your family, and all those around you.
2: Our Lady, Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's April 2nd, 2016 message given through Mariana on the Day for Nonbelievers. Dear children, do not have hearts that are hard, closed, and filled with fear. Permit my motherly love to illuminate them and fill them with love and hope so that as a mother, I may soothe your pains because I know them, I experienced them. Pain elevates and is the greatest prayer. My son, in a special way, loves those who suffer pains He sent me to soothe them for you and bring hope. Trust in him. I know that is difficult for you because you see more and more darkness around you. My children, it is necessary to break it by prayer and love. The one who prays and loves is not afraid. He has hope and a merciful love. He sees the light and sees my son. As my apostles, I call you to keep trying to be an example of merciful love and hope. Always pray anew for all the more love, because merciful love brings light, which breaks every darkness. It brings my son. Do not be afraid. You are not alone. I am with you. I implore you to pray for your shepherds that at every moment they may have love, that they may work for my son with love, through him, and in memory of him. Thank you.
1: This message, when I read it, really kind of astounded me just because a lady's revealing more things about her life of what she's seen, what she feels, and what she's come for. And every storm in our lives causes pain. And yet she relates to us today, soothe your pains, pain elevates, and is the greatest prayer. So prayer is a result of a deeper prayer from pain. Pain causes prayer, a quality of prayer, that without that pain, you wouldn't reach that height of depth of prayer. It keeps your faith from drowning. This message is a beautiful message about what you can do with your pain and suffering.
3: See those black clouds rolling in Feel the fear creeping into my heart again Sometimes life's like a ruthless fight You can never win Can't listen to the doubt dragging round my soul Down every dead and midnight road Gotta choose to hold on to the truth I know the victim.
1: incredible that I said once as a mother fights for her children she's a fighter you think walking via Della Rosa didn't take all the might of heaven for her to be silent and to get and confront Jesus on the way of the cross to muster a smile to her, her son despite her pain was a prayer They sue Jesus. And we're all her sons because if Jesus is our brother, then that makes us so. And so we have this mother coming to the world, coming down to the dust, the mud where we are, and she wants to rise us up. It's an amazing thing when you contemplate these words and what she's telling us and reveals pain elevates and is the greatest prayer. Then when you read that, you say, you know, it's true. The times I pray is when I'm in pain or I'm in a difficult situation. And so for our lady to tell us this today is not revealing anything new, but it refreshes us to go to the roots of the core meaning of the purpose of pain that God allows in the world to purify us, to change us. And for those who reject the pain and refuse to repent, they suffer the agony without anything to hold on to. It's suffering for the suffering's sake. But for the sake of Jesus, when you suffer, it means something. I know my character, what I've done through life, when everything went my way, wasn't built. It was built in persecution. It was built in suffering. It was built in difficulties. When I didn't know how to get over the wall and I made it, I had to figure that out. Or building my business or building relationships with people. All these things, all these confrontations, all the difficulties, all the pains build character. And if you couple that with prayer, it builds spiritual character that God can use. And so Our Lady's looking across the world to find apostles. Who's got that spiritual character? Who's willing to say yes, despite everything going against you, losing everything, everything's put on the chopping block? Because with that lady, she doesn't want 99%. She wants all of you, all of your very being, to love her, to serve her for the sake of her son. And make no mistake, she ended this message to about the shepherds. She's telling us what to do for them because we are hers. She's claiming us as her body of people that she calls her apostles. We are segregated from that and we are to support that, which is of the church. But she's building up something separate that the church has never seen before. The apostles of Our lady, this is not some figuratively thing that's being said. This is not something that like Louis de Montfort called for the uh, slaves of Mary and these things. This is real Mary coming to build a real church within the church to transform the church back to her son, to her apostles. This is new thinking. This is radical. This is something beyond the mentality of many people who get their head around it. But I want to profess today, I want to say very clearly, Our Lady cannot change a church to the bishops, to the Holy Father, and to what's taking place in the church at this moment. And so God sends her to raise up her apostles to renew the church To not to rebuild it, but to place it back on the foundation of who her son truly is. You might want to say a 2,000-year overhaul, but that's an understatement. It's a 2,000-year complete rebuild, a brand new, back to the origins of the church, and it will not happen to the church hierarchy. It's going to happen through her apostles.
2: There's a sweetness to what Our Lady says today, even when she's speaking about pain, that pain elevates and is the greatest prayer. But it's also ink on paper. We know that these words to her, what she experienced in the desolation of seeing what happened to her son on the cross, the loss, the pain of seeing the church birth through so many of the apostles leaving and abandoning Jesus and so many things that she experienced. I remember you telling a story of a priest who said that he prayed that he would, that God would not give him consolation. And you said you would never pray that prayer because God knows that we do need consolation at times. And, uh, but seeing these words of our lady, that she's saying pain elevates. Do you still, would you still stand by those words? Or is Our Lady saying that there's a way to deal with the pain, that you can carry the pain, but in, in a sense, separate yourselves from it in order to reach that prayer with God that is the consolation?
1: If you get tuned in to God into Jesus into what Our Lady's doing, I, I guess the best way to explain it, I was working on one of my Caterpillar loaders when I was in business and I was going to jump start it. And I had a piece of copper wire, a little bit underneath a quarter inch, maybe three-sixteenths diameter copper wire that was about a foot long. And I was going to arc it from the battery to there real quick. And when I touched it, if you've ever seen an electrical line completely go glow, glow red instantly when it's been struck by lightning or something, that wire did that. And my two fingers webbed together. It melted my skin. And... The two fingers were stuck, and it was pretty gross, but very, very painful. I immediately had to pull it apart, but I raised my hand, nobody was around, and said, Jesus, I give this pain to you. And I was not necessarily in joy, but I would learned to do this. And when you work in construction, you're always smashing your finger. Another time I had my, my fingernail was knocked off straight up, uh, one of the black guys working with me, he started screaming because he was fault of it. He dropped something on it. He said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I said, "That's all right. I give it to Jesus. It makes you be able to endure it. I teach all the kids here the same thing. When you hurt, give it to Jesus. Because if you don't give it to Jesus, then it's of no value. You're just suffering for suffering's sake. I used to tell people about Padre Peel that was he cursed because he had the stigmata? These things hurt him. He suffered from it. But let's say somebody else who suffered the same measure of pain in a car wreck, they didn't believe in God, they're suffering for the sake of suffering with a no outlet, with no purpose, and it's miserable, it's horrible. But Padre Pio gladly suffered for the conversion of sinners. He offered his pains for that. And so we understand the value of pain and turn it into some kind of economic value spiritually then it's it's completely different. I don't like pain. I think the priest who said that was completely out of his mind because he got his answer. He he ended up getting vanquished. He lost his community. And now he's running around like a nomad with four or five followers. But he was saved from the, the altar. I pray not to receive consolation. And I thought, this is foolish. I like the consolation from Our Lady, and I welcome the pain that brings that. But I'm not going to be so false in my strength, my measurement of my strength, or, or anybody should, that they can just deny themselves of this. I like it when Our Lady comes in. Our Lady shows she knows when to come to help us, and that's in the midst of pain. She says, I come... I may soothe your pains because I know them. I experience them. She is hope. She is our hope in good times and in bad times. She soothes us by coming into that situation. And for anybody to think, well, I don't want consolations, you're making a big mistake. If heaven's going to offer you a consolation in your pain, welcome that because it helps you deal with the pain. And that's the greatest prayer in the greatest moments that you'll remember, and that 's when your character spiritually is built, not when you suffer by yourself without God, suffer with God. I lady just talked recently about the suffering God. We all need purification, we all need atonement. so where you come in, Mary, I welcome you.
4: Sometimes when I'm down I feel like I can't win
5: And I consider
4: walking out That's where you Four songs
1: Reflecting, you would be eternally grateful in this life that Mary has come in to our situation, into our home, to everything we do. You said when you asked me earlier the question, you said ink on paper. And I didn't know, I know you didn't know these words in the song. It says, and paper and pen. It says, I know you and me are paper and pen. I would say of Our Lady, She's the pen, and we're the paper. If she calls us to be a witness, if she calls you to be a witness, she's writing a story with your life. So to be chosen by Our Lady, to be chosen to be an apostle, don't think every day is a script. You can't think, I'm on a stage. But Our Lady did tell the visionaries, when you're in front of people, be pious, behave this way. She gave them instructions. I believe she writes my story of my life because I've given it to her. I believe if you accept apostleship and you strive for that, the three things she's asked to do, to be an apostle, four things, then she'll write your day. She'll write your life. That when you leave this life, you leave an impression and a momentum of what you started or initiated in the way you lived in a modern time, by Christian ways, that would be like the pebble in the middle of the pond that goes out to the edge of the lake. And so it is. We are paper. She's the pen. And she's given us these instructions that how you reach that witness is you get purification. You have pain. Some it self-inflicted from your sins of the past. Some, by living God's way, through persecution, through difficulties, through crosses God gives you. Because our lady says, God wants to try you through your daily chores. So how you handle that and how you handle the results of that suffering goes deep into prayer. My deepest prayer is when I had the most great difficulties, and so it is the same for you. Why would it not be?
0: A little bit intrigued by the message where our lady says, I know it is difficult for you because you see more and more darkness around you. Now, that that message there, or those words there, she's talking to, obviously, to the whole world, but she's talking to me singularly. She's talking to you individually. She's talking to every person individually about this. And then she says, my children, it is necessary to break it by prayer and love. Is it possible that me or you individually, praying and loving, is going to break that? Or is this something that has to happen collectively? For example, let's say only one person responds to this and prays and loves. Will that break the darkness around them? Or is it something that has to be a group of people that makes that happen?
1: Both. As a a conservative effort, Our Lady sometimes depends on our whole group. Our Lady depends on the community here. We have people that come up here. We had some visitors today. Knew nothing about this. They went to Mother Angelica's funeral. They showed up today. They were there yesterday. And they were astounded by this place. And they said they've learned more about the church in the last two days that they had no idea what's going on in the church. They were shocked at this. And so because of that, we as a body of people were called on. And everywhere she went, she said, these people are so Full of life, and then they see all the children running around here and everything's going on and activity like a beehive here. It is impressive. It impresses me. I went out this afternoon after being writing all day about the second of the month message, being a party, and walked the grounds a little bit. And I'm impressed. And I see this every day. I'm impressed what God's done for us, not what we've done for God. God don't need us to do anything for him. It's what he gives to us and turns us into something that, that starts breaking the darkness. And so if you go back to what you say as a group or as an individual, it's both. So the individual often, say a couple may convert. And when you convert, you move to the other side from where you've been. But if one does not maintain that prayer, they don't maintain their fasting, they'll soon forget. And they'll forget what it feels like to live on this side, the side of light then the light goes out. Then darkness comes, and that's what I say. Darkness is growing more and more. There's been many people who converted to Medjugorje, went to Medjugorje, who's left that, who's gone in darkness now. And darkness will taunt you. It will dare you to settle for second best. It's not necessarily Satan pulls you toward a bad thing. He gives you a lesser light, which he hates, but he's, willing to go to that to take you from the real light. The demons will push you to the wrong side. Sometimes do good things. These good things that happen is settling for not what God wants, but how he redirects you. And we've seen this over and over in people who are converted, who went through the beautiful conversion, who experienced the light who start acting on their own ambitions or they quit praying they quit fasting and they move back to the other side which is where they came from when they came to the light and this is sad and it's tragic so don't settle for what Satan offers pray and fight and fast don't want to put you aside
6: couldn't leave you on the shelf no, that wouldn't be right I can see it in your eyes You've forgotten how it felt To live on the other side How long is too long To have not moved on
7: I don't wanna settle For second best Gonna fight. For you till there's nothing left I don't want to settle Just because I'm scared When the lights go out And the darkness dares you to settle I don't want to settle So leave those demons
6: behind They turn you to someone else There's no reason for you to hide If you need something to believe Look beyond what you can see Past the mountains we've yet to climb How long is too long To have not moved on
7: How long is too long Suki!
6: Don't you know you were born to fly?
1: What happens when a spouse goes through conversion with you or a child or your family or friends, people in your church, and they wane, and they forget they were reborn to fly? What happens with that? What happens with that is that the tragedy. Of losing somebody's conversion close to you is very difficult. And it's hard to settle for that. We have many people in grief for that. Because there's nothing more sad than no a child or a spouse a loved one is headed to a perdition. And especially after a one conversion and gift of a conversion by following a lady. It's a lady who said on March 2nd, 2016, dear children my coming to you is a gift from heaven, from the heavenly father for you. Through his love, I'm coming to help you to find the way to truth. So many people have accepted so many lifestyles in so many ways that is not truth. And you don't think that causes pain to the ones who are praying and fasting? but there's a purpose to that because that pain elevates and that makes your prayer greater. And in fact, our lady's greatest prayers were on Via Della Rosa and when they laid them in the tomb, can you imagine her whole lifetime, the depth of her prayers or the heights, however you want to look at it, when things were bad or things were good, when her joy was at the heights, And when our sorrow was so close to despair, the depths. But that was our greatest prayer. And it came through pain. And you think you're going to escape it? She who never sinned? She who says, my son, in a special way, loves those who suffer pain. And so if he loved her, nobody's ever suffered as she has
2: it kind of struck me today in this message and the question came to me that when jesus was preparing for his departure before his his crucifixion when he was speaking to his apostles his disciples that week before good friday and he it says in the poem, The Man-God, he had almost some anxiety that he was running out of time. He had so much left to teach his apostles, so much to say. Was he going to have enough time to to say everything, to prepare them for their task ahead when, he, when he's gone? And so my question is, when Our Lady's speaking to us, it's as if, and she said this, I'm looking into your hearts and my heart shudders with pain, that she's looking at our hearts today and she's saying, i am come to soothe your pain. I see that you are in pain. She's reacting to what's in our hearts today. But at the same time, does she also have an agenda that she's working towards completing, that she has perhaps anxiety, not that you experience that in heaven necessarily, but that she also has things that she has to teach us before her time runs out. What, what's the balance there between her reacting to what we're going through right now in the present and things that she needs to teach us before the end of the apparitions?
1: Well, the things she needs to teach us is what she did in Villa de Rosa. What's the balance? Why did God allow her to suffer? except she was balancing out the whole teaching of of suffering. We just said about my son, in a special way, loves those who suffer pains. He sent me to soothe them for them to bring hope. God put her there in the midst of all this vileness to soothe his walk and actually encourage him to continue. God put her here on the earth today to be in the midst of our Via Della Rosa to soothe us and encourage us to continue because what's at stake? The gates of hell prevailing against the church, which cannot happen, will not happen because Jesus promised that wouldn't happen. But had our lady not come, that would have happened. It was in the cards. You could say, no, it wouldn't happen because it's not going to happen. No, it was going to happen. I tell you, if a lady did not come, the gates of hell would have prevailed against the church. Do you think she says, "I implore," without meaning, "I implore all my being"? I'm calling you. I'm saying this. You do this right now. I implore you. Implore you what? I implore you to pray for your shepherds, please. That's begging. What do you do when you implore somebody? Or are you trying to convince somebody? Don't. Don't destroy yourself. Don't destroy your marriage. Don't destroy this. I implore you, don't do that. I implore you to pray for your shepherds that every moment they may have love. Wow. What does that mean? Is she saying they don't have the love they should have? So I implore you to pray for them that they have love. See how positive she is? But see the mystery and the message? There's a problem in our shepherds because they're not carrying their proper love. They're not courageous. They're not speaking out. They're not denouncing out of love. They're not breaking it by prayer and love. It is necessary. See, she's saying, my children, she says shepherds, my children, it is necessary to break it by prayer and love. And love, is not afraid, she says. He who has love has hope and is merciful and sees the light and sees my son. As my apostles, I call you to keep trying to be an example of merciful love and hope. It's merciful to correct people who are in untruth, who live in abominable lifestyles, who are continually saying this is not sin. And we got North Carolina, and we got Georgia doing what's going on. And there's a big challenge on that because we have people that are so perverted that we think it's merciful to not discriminate against them. Discriminate. That is love. Do you understand? Love for children. Love for your, your family to be protected from evil and darkness. Don't mistaken our lady's love. It's not tough. It's just okay, I accept you. You can go in this bathroom if you want to. This is absurd. That's not love at all. That's not merciful. What about the people that don't want that? And that's 99.99% of people. So who's being discriminated against? But going back, I implore you to pray for your shepherds. I don't hear a union of the bishops conference coming together and denouncing this repeatedly and having all your priests in the diocese and across Georgia and across North Carolina, just screaming from the pulpit, you get out of the streets and fight this. That's love. Love is obedience to God. That's best displayed. I implore you to pray for your shepherds that at every moment they may have love, that they may work for my son with love. Wow, there we go again. Don't they work for her son with love? Sounds like if we're being implored to do that, there may be a problem there. This is identifying something in a positive way, something very negative in the church. Very negative. She continues, through him, talking about her son, and in memory of him, that they may work for my son with love through him and in memory of him. Why should she have to pour that if it's happening? The fact is it's not happening. Read the messages. But I tell you, what happens when you follow a lady, when you shh, manifest into your life the messages, what's birth is a way of life. The way of life in this community is music. The children are singing and they're squealing and play. It's beautiful. And our silent work, when we're hard at labor or whatever we're doing, long hours, is still a song to us. When we see our children play, it's a beautiful song. Because Allah has given us this, and yes, it's hard, and yes, there's parts of the battery that have positive and negative to crank a car. So is your flashlight. On your battery, it says positive and negative. If you put it in the wrong way, it won't light up. Life considers all the variances of the negative and positive to cause the energy to drive it. And that's what drives our community. Everything's not perfect. It's not a perfect song. But one thing we do have, we have a song in our heart. And our life won't be left without and us laying in the cemetery that we made a mark on the world because we want Our Lady here in our hearts. And like the pebble in the pond, it ripples out. We see it constantly. And you're called to the same thing. Our Lady's asking you to look up at the sky and to God himself.
8: Look at the sky Holding the sunlight On a string I look down in my hand See how small I am But I know Sing
1: How beautiful. How would you like to go through life and at the end of your life not have nothing to account for it except regrets? we spoken long ago about, it, about a king who was dying and reflected on his life that how many times he was happy. He counted 14 times or so throughout his whole lifetime that he could say he was truly happy. He lived thousands of days tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of hours. And only 14 times he could count and say, I was truly happy. Our lady wants to change your world. And you got to let her. And it's going to hurt. and It's going to be painful. But nobody goes underneath the scalpel for an operation without the pain. But hopefully it always brings a cure. There's no difference for this
0: to what you were saying before the song played. It's it's true we do have a beautiful life in our community, and and what what you were relating about the shepherds of the church. I know a number of years ago you said that one of the tragedies with the shepherds is that they don't have community, and you, you used to have pairs and several priests together in a single parish. You just simply don't have that anymore. There's no community there. There's no accountability. There's no one there to keep them uh, in line, to help them in their walk and to support them like there used to be when they lived community. And so my question is, for Our Lady to implore in this way, to say what she says, does this mean that there are consequences, not good consequences for the shepherds because they are not doing um because they 're not working with love in and i 'm not just referring to after they die i 'm referring to is she 's talking about something that may even happen even in the world that 's going to not necessarily be good for them
1: well i 'll say something that may sound maybe hard to take, maybe something that 's difficult for people to accept, and of course we 're in the church. We're in the know of a lot of avenues of the church because of who we are and what we do and the people we deal with and people we talk to and people who confide things into us. I mean, all the way up to our way up into the Vatican. There's things we know about that we don't make public. But the church is not in a healthy state at this moment. Patients, when they have heart and arteries closed up, they do bypass surgery. Our lady is doing bypass surgery right now at the church. She's having to bypass those shepherds this part of the establishment as a collective body of people that individually maybe she can do something with them. But as a body of the establishments that's established in the Republican party, the U.S. bishops conferences and all these little cliques and then the, the, the southern bishops or whatever group they get to, these things take power on and in and of themselves to the committees and advisors. It's all set up wrong. Our Lady cannot heal the church through the church no more when somebody's got cancer or, or been in a car wreck can heal themselves beyond outside of themselves that they call in the doctor, the hospital staff, and all the nurses to aid the sick and ailing or dying person. Let's just say it this way. The church is dying. It has been dying since the French Revolution. Its influence has decreased worldwide over and over and over. Darkness is growing more and more. Our lady's in the operating room. She's bypassing the clogged arteries, which is the avenues that originally could have healed the church, the shepherds, but now are so blocked and clogged, it's impossible and so she's coming in with new veins that they pull out of the legs of the patient to make new conduits to the heart, which are the apostles that are hers, not of the church, to bring new life and to rebirth the church. That may be difficult to understand, but I stake my life on it. This is what I doing. I've been with this almost 30 years. It's very clear to me, through prayer, through the messages, through cognition, through experiences, through the reality of what's happening in those 30 years and what I never could have believed would be happening in the church 30 years ago, what happened 10 years ago. And you don't even know the next scandals is coming up. And it's bigger than that. And what is it? Rationalization. Silence. You might say, that's bigger than the scandal that just passed the church. Yes, it's bigger. Because now, there's no denouncing of sin. Oh, we put out papers, we say this, we say that. So this may be difficult to grasp, and you won't understand it. You can't comprehend it unless you realize that the pain we're going through leads to the greatest prayer. That's why we suffer as our ladies' apostles. That's why we go through conversion. It's so sweet. It's so beautiful. And then our life starts falling apart. Everything's being stolen from us. Here we are waiting. And then we start having doubts through our conversion. Where is God? Where is he when I need him? He's there through Mary. And so we're broken. We're barely breathing right now. I think, God, I've gone through my cognition. Doesn't mean I won't suffer in the future. But I've gotten tough. I've gotten I've gotten strengthened through this. My roots are deep into what I'm doing. And yet, I'm a worse sinner than anybody out there because I'm in close to Our Lady. It doesn't make us any better than anybody else. I wrote today about the closed heart and the open heart. And it's an incredible writing because Francis says some incredible things about the difference between one sinner to the next sinner. One is unrepentant and one's repentant. And all saints are in that situation. They were sinners and often serious sinners, but their heart was open for God to do with them what He did. People were raving about Mother Angelica, and I heard one guy say, Oh, I can't even believe I got to be in the room with her breathing the same air. I knew Mother Angelica personally. I sat in her office. She's not what people think she is. What is she? I'm telling you, she's a saint. She will be canonized. But this dreamy stuff, just like a bishop went in and saw Padre Pio looking around during, before Mass and his prayer, like it made him believe in Padre Pio. This, this hokey stuff about a saint walks around floating on clouds, not true. They're human. They sin. Opus Dei's Escrivia was the same way. But they did mighty things for God and their heart was open, and when they sinned, they repented. And that's different from a closed heart who doesn't do that. And so we take our pains, and through pain, there's healing. It's how the church will be healed. Hang on to Our Lady. The experiences she gives you will make it for you to the next day and to the next day and to the next day.
5: Broken clock is a comfort It helps me sleep tonight Maybe it can't stop tomorrow From stealing all my time And I am here still waiting Though I still have my doubts I am damaged at best, like you've already figured out. I'm falling apart, I'm barely breathing, with a broken heart, that's to be. Instead, and I still see your reflection inside of my eyes that are looking for purpose, they're still looking for life.
1: another day because at the end of your life a lady's got a story to tell of you she wants it to be a beautiful script that you leave and live the hearts that you leave behind take the pain and turn it into something beautiful We wish you, Our Lady, we love you, good night.
0: This ends the Radio Wave show with a friend of Medjugorje. You can order this show on CD by contacting Caritas in the U.S. at 205 Again, 205